welcome back to the EdTech podcast. To any old listeners, new listeners, or anyone else who's ended up here by mistake, do stick around. You might like it. First up, I'm humbled to announce that ISC Research has found the EdTech podcast to be one of the most influential organisations of 2021 in the international education space. The podcast was among great friends also sharing and surfacing innovation, which is quite on point with this week's theme. So do go out and check the full list, which is available in our show notes. A huge thank you also to anyone who has popped us a rate and review, which I finally had a chance to look up any new additions. So those include things like great podcast for educators, nothing like a good dose of ed tech to get your mind working, impact your students and start here. Or this one, great show I download every week. Or finally, empowering, insightful and actionable. Whether you're well-established as someone innovating in the education space or just getting started identifying the impact you want to bring to the world through your organisation, this is a must-listen podcast for you. Sophie does an incredible job leading conversations that cover a huge range of topics related to the ins and outs of navigating an ever-changing edtech landscape from leaders who've actually experienced success themselves. Highly recommended listening and subscribing. So thank you again to anyone who's contributed there and we'd love it if you're listening in and you'd like to drop us a rate and review which we'll also read out on the show Uh, and this can help others to find the podcast so thank you in advance. What else? A couple of series announcements. I'm working with Bet on some future episodes of the EdTech podcast, uh, which will be kicking off uh, this March at Bet 2022. And this series will have a particular attention to skills. And I'm also really excited to announce that we are partnering with the Female EdTech Fellowship to showcase some of the best female-led post-seed innovators out there in Europe. Um, And these organisations are working on STEM, corporate learning, social emotional learning, assessment and peer-to-peer language learning. So do watch this space. I can't wait to bring that to your ear holes. And a quick update on work trip. So anyone who's been listening in before, you may have heard in my past episode that I'm founding a new startup called Work Trip. And Worktrip is in the concept and validation stage. So we are very much looking for startups to pilot our concept this year. So if that's you, here's the blurb. Listen up. Worktrip is a new venture looking to humanise hybrid work and retain your best talent. Have you just received investment and onboarded lots of new team remotely? Wondering how to effectively cascade your company communications and culture, develop cross-team connections and design hack your business problems effectively? Imagine bringing your team together in a unique natural environment to create memorable shared experiences led by the very best leadership coaches. Imagine your team raving about how your company invests in employee development and in-person experience. This is what Worktrip is all about. We curate the best high-impact off-sites, save you time and create real business ROI at this critical phase of your mission. In 2022, we are running our in-person and wireframe prototypes and pilots. We are looking for scaling companies to be our pilot customers. We will take care of your brief, understand your needs and create you a bespoke off-site. 
onboarding, remote leadership, business hack, R&R, we've got it covered. Worktrip is a new venture launched by Sophie Bailey, founder of the EdTech podcast, with expert partners from across HR, L&D and coaching. Interested? Email sophie.bailey at worktrip with two p's dot com. Want to contribute to our validation? Check out the survey in our show notes. So there we go. I'll be updating on how Worktrip is getting on in the EdTech podcast episodes. And in the first instance, I see EdTech startups as some of our earliest customers because of the specifically the growth phase that EdTech is currently going through. So far, I've been enjoying the Set Squared incubator programme, trying to get my head around technical road mapping and putting together my first pitch for money. Every day is a learning day, as they say. Okay. So back to the world of knowledge exchange. Traditionally, when we think of the IP of universities, we think of knowledge that would be closely guarded. But better research on innovation shows us that the value of integral knowledge is, in fact, connecting it with diverse external or adjacent thinkers and scenarios. But how do universities capture all of this activity? And how important is this to universities maintaining their social value? This week, I'm speaking to one early stage startup obsessing about all things knowledge exchange in higher education and the role of technology therein. Listen in to hear about user testing, capturing knowledge exchange activities and how you can help their own idea grow. Okay, here we go. I'm very excited. I have Emily, let me see if I can pronounce this correctly, Devonold? No? Yeah, correct. Devonold. you did it really well. <laughs> yeah. Where's that name from? Uh, it's a, I think it's a Welsh name, actually. It's oh, quite brilliant. a rare one. My granny yeah. was Welsh, so I'm, da- I'm down with that. Um, I love that. <laughs> so I'm, I'm here with uh, Emily Devonold, who's the co-founder of Kevry. Um, so welcome, Emily. Thank you for having me, Sophie. So I've got here that you have been an international ed- education journalist and also produced yeah. content campaigns for over 60 universities. So yes. perhaps we should start right there. Tell me a little bit about your your background. I saw also you had some interesting experiences in, in Malaysia before you uh, kicked off Kevri. Is that right? That's correct, yes. Uh, I actually started my career off at Bristol, funnily enough, um, for a content company called Hybrid. And they have an education uh, sort of media site called Study International. And that's where I was hired as sort of an intern journalist. And I had worked in Malaysia before for charities and a lot of other stuff. And they noticed that on my profile. So they said, do you fancy going to be a journalist in Kuala Lumpur? And I said, yes, please, because I love it there. And it's just great to be in the tropical weather. Yeah. <laughs> and then I literally just did three to four years of higher education journalism out there I wrote content for about yeah over 60 universities I'd say from Australia to Singapore to the UK and I really got a great feel of sort of the university culture and what they wanted to speak about really in the content um yeah it was, it was a really good experience out there 
Well, I love that because, um, yeah, I think once I left sixth form on the Isle of Wight, I spent about seven months in, in Malaysia, um, mostly in Sar- oh, wow. Sarawak and Sabah, and then uh, travelled a little bit through um, Kuala Lumpur. But um, I think that the oh, wow. that I remember learning is Sadap, which is delicious. <laughs> so I also- oh, I say that all the time. <laughs> I say that word all the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so obviously we're here to talk a little bit about Kevry and just in terms of background, I think we met at like a female entrepreneurship event down in Falmouth, um, which was um, a, a really jubilant experience because it was just off the back of uh, lockdown easing and um, just all these great minds being able to meet again. Um, but yeah, for the sakes of our listeners, could you tell us what the big idea is behind Kevry? Yes, indeed. So the word itself actually uh, translates to contribute in the Cornish language. So we kind of wanted to create a sort of culture of contribution among universities. We started to look at so corporate social responsibility and how that can be translated into the higher education sector. So academic social responsibility. And it organically sort of fed into knowledge exchange and the knowledge exchange framework, which basically rewards universities for their community and their business engagement activities. So our company is basically an emerging digital startup, um, which supports universities and their academics to capture and showcase these community and business engagements, because a lot of universities sometimes don't have the time or don't have the resources to collate all that data into one place. So we've just sort of trying to centralise all that data, make it easier for academics and their staff to showcase and capture that knowledge exchange data. So when you say knowledge exchange data, what would that look like? So that could be um, anything from conferences to graduate startups to, you know, academics going out in the business field or into the community and doing amazing work. The problem is it's not always recorded. So you could have a really cool lecture going out and doing a sustainability project with uh, a company down the road. And that would be knowledge exchange because they're coming out of the university environment and they're exchanging that knowledge with a third party partner. So the term itself is quite a hard one to grasp. A lot of people don't really get it. They're doing it already, but they don't really understand it. So it's basically, you know, um, activities that happen with third party partners And to get sort of validation from the UK government's knowledge exchange framework, they often have to generate income. But knowledge exchange is literally everywhere. So there's a lot. Even this is knowledge exchange right now between you and I. Yeah, well, I I remember putting at the end of my last podcast, I was excited about this because, um, you know, I'm really passionate about that idea of sharing ideas. And um, Mm -hmm. I think we've come a long way, generally speaking, in terms of higher education and um, understanding the importance of outreach and going beyond the sort of ivory towers that were perhaps a little bit more um, uh, typical previously and now you know you, you have far more then we kind of swung completely to sort of rock star academics and now I think people are just comfortable with the idea that actually there's there's amazing knowledge to be shared and you know going about sometimes mainstream channels to do that is is not a devaluing of the university experience or the knowledge it's actually just part of the role um if I understand correctly with ref and and referencing you know that there's 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 quite a um established understanding of how references and citation leads to funding 
is the mm-hmm. same true of knowledge exchange and funding? How does that work? I think knowledge exchange is a bit more, it's a bit more, you know, you see it, it's more visual, it's more, you know, I need to see that happening. How did it happen? How many people attended that event, for instance? It's not so much about the citations or the recording of that data, it's more about, you know, who attended, who did you engage with? Did you, you know, did you get the university's name out there? Did you generate partnerships, you know, a long-term partnership with the university? So it's more about establishing those partnerships with the community and the local businesses and maintaining those because they're so essential to universities and their surrounding communities. Like the university has just got so much knowledge um, as a hub of innovation, isn't it? And everything. So it's it's just how can they get that out there? And and with Kevry, is part of what you're doing creating a metric that captures the value of each of those exchanges? Yes. So right now we're building sort of the algorithms for the back end of what would be a centralized system that could be very smart and, and present this data in a smarter way um, to, to the frameworks and to the submissions and for the knowledge exchange practitioners to assess and establish, okay, um, we've got some great knowledge exchange happening in this department. How can I optimize that? What metrics should I ask for next time? What, what should I look out for? Mm-hmm. And I think something we've also found is that the term impact is just so... I don't know, it could be anything, can't it really impact? You can't really define it. A lot of things are fiscal. When, and I was just thinking, you know, that there, there, there may be quite a, um, a, a lag between the knowledge exchange event and then actually, mm-hmm. you know, it's interesting with podcasts, right? Because mm-hmm. over time you get these amazing feedback mechanisms with podcasts, but like yeah. through listeners connecting with guests and but that may happen over months um mm-hmm. so that's quite an interesting one as well like you, you know um yeah ca- capturing the the benefit but maybe over a longer time yeah exactly podcasts are great I think that's a great knowledge exchange because it's just it's always going to be there you know it's always going to be on on the, the internet but the yeah. other thing that I'm quite interested in at the moment is the metaverse obviously so if I'm jumping on that and I'm really interested in sort of, you know, long term of how knowledge will be exchanged there as well. So how, how is that happening? You know, what will that look like? There's just so many possibilities, especially with like, you know, NFT culture and um, decentralized organizations. There's just so much potential. Um, but it's sort of just shifting that mindset, I think, because a lot of stuff is on spreadsheets. It's on like word of mouth. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of bringing that a bit more into systems and, having a, a digital trail of that information, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, also, social media metrics is another great form of impact that is sometimes overlooked, I think. So that's something we're sort of looking into as well. So um, if I was a university listening in to this, who, yeah. who's the sort of typical person that usually gets tasked with measuring their knowledge exchange? Is that is that sort of individual academics? Is it someone within a department that has that role? Mm-hmm. So usually they'll have a knowledge exchange lead or practitioner, so a KEP. Um, but for the universities that don't, they'll probably have heads of departments or um, someone sort of half filling the role perhaps to collect that data every year. Um, some universities have a really cool system, which is knowledge exchange champions. So that's just heads of departments that have been nominated to collect that data for their department. But usually we, we seek knowledge exchange leads with universities and um, 
yeah, CACs, we call them practitioners. Yeah, yeah. And then ultimately, what will the university do with that aggregated data? Do they use that to sort of drive funding or, or what's the kind of uh, integral value of that once once you've kind of sorted it and organised it for them? That will be, so there's something called the HEPKI and then the HEIF return and that will just sort of go into a submission basically that they can get a chunk of funding at the end. So there's something called the Knowledge Exchange Framework at the moment, the KESH. Um, every university in the UK is entitled to up to £4 million of that funding every year. Um, a lot of universities, however, often don't meet that four million pound figure. They could, but they haven't, you know, congregated that data efficiently, and they don't know what's going on in their university. But there's so much potential to get that and keep, you know, reworking the knowledge exchange and doing more impact every year. So we talked before we started recording about how you met your co-founders, so yes. Natalie Campion and Corinne Minot at Falmouth yes. University. What brought you to thinking about solving this particular problem? Yeah, it was very organic, actually. We were looking into um, academic social responsibility and how universities can be more civically responsible, I guess. And then we found this new framework called the Logic Exchange Framework, which is really interesting. And then we actually met with um, Robin Kirby, who's our strategic advisor and vice chancellor at Falmouth. And he was sort of stating about knowledge exchange and the problems there. And then we delved deeper into Falmouth University's sort of framework and found that, oh, there's so much great knowledge exchange happening at the university, but how can we optimize that? So Falmouth University sort of became our test bed at the same time. Uh, and we did a lot of um, one-to-one consultations with academics to really find the root of the problems. And we found that a lot of academics don't have the time to learn about knowledge exchange. And they're already doing it. They don't have the time to um, collect that data. So everything organically sort of fell into Kevry, you know, that's the problem, the challenges. And it was a lot of speaking to people of the pandemic, actually. We had so many meetings, for like 60-plus uh, meetings with industry players and academics just to validate that problem. And so what do you consider your um, Kevry birthday? Kevry birthday, uh, June 2021 was our incorporation date. So I, I guess that is our anniversary. Um, but I think it was probably January 2021 when we started really getting into the arms exchange, um, when it sort of, sort of put the feelers out there. And it, yes, it's probably been a year of knowing about knowledge exchange frameworks and understanding it. And now it's sort of the year of action, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, no, it's really exciting. Where are you at now? Are you onboarding universities? What's your what's your kind of main day to day look like? So actually, at the moment today as well, we have some beta tests with um, some uni. So we've got a cohort of universities. Um, we're sort of testing our product um, UI and our design, and sort of seeing what works and what doesn't from a knowledge exchange practitioner's uh, standpoint. And then next month, we're probably going to be working with academics to see what their pain points are and do some beta tests with them. And yeah, it's probably March or March we've got BET. So I'm really excited about that one. I used to go to BET as a journalist. And now we've got an exhibition coming up in March, which will be really fun. So it'd be very odd to be on the other side. I used to go to the BET Asia one, actually, in KL, I think it was. And it was just so interesting. There's so much innovation happening. You just can't keep up. You just don't know where to look, what to report about. (laughs) <laughs> but I loved it I really loved it so to be an exhib- exhibitor this year will be will be different <laughs> yes quite an exciting moment awesome so um 
if I think about the last two to three to four years, the, the two big hitters are the pandemic and Brexit. Yeah. <laughs> within a sort of UK and rest of the world context. So like yeah. I can I can totally see with the challenges around knowledge exchange, say between the UK and Europe, continental Europe, where perhaps mm-hmm. you had these research partnerships. Like how is that affecting yeah. what you're doing or is it at all? I think it's sort of pushing us to be more innovative for the UK. So I went to a recent or the stated relationship report, I think it was from NCUB, like a sort of meeting there. And they were saying you know, during the pandemic, it's hard to maintain partnerships. You know, it was really hard. It sort of took its toll. And it really, you know, sort of pushes the UK to be more innovative, to, you know, outreach more. So I think with us, we have a support system for universities to showcase innovation and to make more innovative things, you know, and do more innovative knowledge exchange, because I think there will be. I mean, other countries are just crazy, right, with their innovations. And the UK's got so much talent and so much prosperity and everything. It's just, it's trapped within these universities, which is trying to get it out, you know, trying to showcase it more. So I think it really pushes us to get that innovation out post-Brexit, post-COVID. And and do you find, I mean, you mentioned innovative other countries other higher education landscapes I'm just thinking mm. about Australia but it could be could be others yeah. are, are um yeah. have you found that they're they've got initiatives in this space and they're kind of leading the way or yes. the US for sure is is really big on knowledge exchange but they call it knowledge transfer over there so they're very big on that and that's probably something we'd look into sort of a market that we'd want to approach in the near future perhaps is the US but there are a lot of other countries, yeah, like Australia as well, that are showcasing knowledge exchange. Whereas the UK does, it does do that, but there could be other ways of doing that that could sort of optimise it. So and I'm guessing if, 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 like, if people are listening in, I'm guessing if, if universities mm-hmm. are listening in, you want them to get in touch to yeah. either help yeah. validate and improve your iterations. What about mm-hmm. partners or other players, investors, what, what what else would you ideally love if you had like a kind of wish list of people that you'd like to kind of go, oh yeah, Kevry were on the podcast, what should I chat to them about? Yeah, oh gosh, good question. <laughs> um, so for investment, we are giving up to investment ready. So any investment advice, always appreciated at Kevry. We love talking to like potential investors as well and updating them with our stuff. We have a board at the moment, we have board members that are really great. They sort of guide us through, sort of steering us through the process as well. Um, but I think it's just right now is testing our product and validating that and perhaps, yeah, outreaching to other universities, um, perhaps in the US or Australia that might be tuning into this podcast or anywhere that would also be interested in a knowledge exchange startup and sort of seeing where we, where we head and how we can help them to optimise their you know, it wants to be global in the end of it all because knowledge exchange is global. It's not just a, a UK concept, but it's just finding out all those cross-cultural perspectives and how other cultures view knowledge exchange and how that data is collected. And tell me a little bit about your other co-founders and what their backgrounds yes. are. So Natalie, uh, she was a University of Northampton lecturer. She was actually a change maker of the year. She doesn't like me telling everyone that all the time. <laughs> So they always name drop it. Um, she's a really innovative. Who gave her this title of change maker of the year? I think that was that was the University of Northampton. Okay, I great. 
uh, yeah, she's very big on social innovation. She's actually done a lot of knowledge exchange herself in the past. Um, she's very driven. I love working alongside her. And Corinne as well is such a talented designer. Um, really thinks about the UI of products and takes into consideration, you know, the user's needs and benefits. So they're both awesome co-founders. I, I couldn't wish for a better team, to be quite honest. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so I've got a couple of questions here that I like to ask all the guests. So what's the biggest myth or foe in education or technology you would like to see corrected? Oh, biggest myth or foe? Um, oh, probably that um, you need a tech degree to do tech. <laughs> that, that <laughs> you know, it's always like you have to have this degree to do this. Or you have to have an MBA to do business is my favourite one. Um, no, <laughs> you just do it. In my opinion, you just you just do it and see what it takes you. Yeah, wonderful. Um, who's a personal hero of yours in the sector and why? Oh, personal hero. I'd actually say my ex editor Jenna Ash is a personal hero because she's the one that um, taught me how to write properly educational content. And believed in my writing and, and sort of hired me as an education journalist. And from there, it stemmed into a higher education landscape. So I say my ex editor, yeah, she's, she's brilliant. Wonderful. Do you have a favorite book, project, or resource you'd love to recommend? So, obviously, in addition to Kevry, mm. anything that's helped sort of inspire you that you'd like to pass on? Yeah. So, I've been um, doing the operating system marketing course by Justin Walsh, I think his name is. And he recommended Ghost, which is a really cool platform where you turn your audience into a business, basically. It's just you can literally have everything in one place. You can look at your email marketing, you can look at your stats. Um, I'm exploring it now, actually, as a chief marketing officer. Ghost is a really cool product. Yeah, cool. Really, yeah, really want to get into that. Um, where were you born and what were the experiences who shape who you are? Oh, born in Huddersfield in Yorkshire, moved to Essex. So I'm an Essex girl at heart. Um, experiences, probably on my travelling. I left, went to Thailand, went to Morocco, went to South Africa, did all the travelling stuff. But um, I did a lot of charity work as well, which kind of grounded me as a person, I guess. Uh, the cliche goes, but it was brilliant. And don't you feel just like so lucky that you got to travel now? <laughs> yes. Yeah, now the pandemic's here. Oh my gosh. What's your biggest win and or failure in life that you have learnt from? Mm, biggest win? Um, I actually won a, a writing competition in, just two, two years ago for, to do a Bali retreat. Um, I learnt a lot from that. I met a lot of writers and that was just a really big win for me because I didn't believe myself as a writer and I, I won it out of a lot of people, which was great. That's amazing. And my, also the biggest challenge was it, sorry. Yeah, biggest challenge, I think, is self-doubt. I think it's overcoming that self-doubt and just believing in myself as a person, as, as a woman in tech, you know, the classic. But it's just, yeah, overcoming things and doing it for real. I find with that one as well, it's hugely related to how tired I am. Yeah. <laughs> like when you're yeah. having a tired day, you're like, I can't, I can't do it. <laughs> then, then you're like, oh, can't can't, do it, now I feel like really good again. A coffee, a bit of this, yeah, then you're right. Yeah, it is energy. Uh, what do you like to do outside of education and technology to keep energized? 
oh yoga but I'm not doing a lot of that at the moment actually <laughs> I say at the moment probably the last year I haven't done anything <laughs> I need to get back into yoga um and be more fit to be honest because I'm really not fit at the moment I'm just working a lot I literally live on my laptop right now so yoga is something I need to get back into yeah yeah I hope you I hope you get to do that um okay yeah. cool and then so if people want to find out more about Kevry um mm-hmm. where should they go what what are your social handles and that kind of thing if they want to connect yeah perfect so kevry.co is our website um if you go on linkedin as well we use that a lot so typing kevry capital letters you'll find us there and um, we do use twitter but not so much at the moment but that's kevry official at twitter as well but yeah please do get in touch with us and who have you got on your uh, board as well any exciting names there yeah, we have got Stephen Partridge, who's, who's a great one. He's a non-exchange practitioner. I think he's just recently moved roles. I've uh, got Robin Kirby, who is the Falmouth University Strategic Advisor and Vice-Chancellor. Adrian Scales, who's the Investment Manager at Launchpad. He's brilliant as well. Um, yeah, and we are looking to sort of extend our board in the near future. So having a look out for future board members as well. Well, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed speaking to you, Emily. Good luck with all the testing. Thank you. Thank you. Good luck to everything else. That's all for this week. Thanks again for everyone for listening in. And do feel free to rate and review wherever you do listen. We'll be back soon with more episodes on corporate learning, school age STEM and everything in between. And if you're listening in and want to find out more about Worktrip, the email again is sophie.bailey at worktrip with two p's dot com. Have a great week. Bye.